Oh, he's beating him, all right. He's the ultimate hustler, number eight. So it drove me, in other words, to practice more here and more there because I was I, the dollars were starting to add up in the 50 cent pieces and whatever. And the next thing you knew, I've, I got to the point to where I was beating guys that were winning tournaments. And then mm. I, was, I was beating all the, the big boys around Dallas at Tennyson Park and stuff. And number nine. And then I entered my first golf tournament, at, uh, which was the Texas State Open. That was the first tournament I'd ever played in, amateur or professional. And I won it in the playoff. I won that year, and then I ended up winning the New Mexico Open that year. 65 it was. And then in 66, I repeated, won both of them. And then I qualified for the Open in 66, played at Olympic Fields. And that drove me to practicing even harder. And then I won, I finished fifth in 67, and then I won in 68. And that's the end of that story. Listen to the story of Lee Trevino, a man who mastered the surface in sports better than anybody else. How did it all begin? This is Sam Blair, his biographer. Let's go to number 10. I've never known anybody else in any walk of life to follow a similar path to go from abject poverty to rise to, to the heights like Lee Trevino did. Before he was a U.S. Open champion, before he was one of the greatest and most popular golfers of his time, before he was anyone that anyone ever heard of, Lee Buck Trevino was the grandson of a Mexican gravedigger in Texas, a boy who never met his father, a child who couldn't have dreamed of the life in front of him, even if he tried. It was his grandpa who taught him the ethics of hard work. Number 11. Lee's granddaddy was a gravedigger at Hillcrest Cemetery, which is uh, located in North Dallas. Then they pay him uh, $40 a week, plus he got free housing. Uh, housing, it was an old dirt floor shack, no electricity, no running water. On Saturday night, they took the biggest uh, wash tub they had, and his mother and granddaddy filled it with water out of a creek nearby, and Lee and his sisters jumped in for their uh, weekly Saturday night bath. I don't care if you're digging graves or you're working a lumber yard like I saw growing up. Whatever you do for a living, take pride in what you do. And Lee's grandfather took pride in making those graves perfect to fit the coffin. Number 12. During the week, his grandfather took Lee along with him to work where his lessons were simple, but essential. He took a lot of pride in, in digging a grave, and he would show Lee, you know, this is how you keep the edges square, and this is how you do it so that, you know, the casket will fit correctly. On one side of the ramshackle Trevino home was the cemetery. On the other was the sixth fairway of the Dallas Athletic Club, which meant golf balls would land on the lawn often. Balls that the young Trevino discovered he could collect and sell. That was the beginning, number 13. They had a little three-hole course behind the Caddyshack over there, and they'd get out there and play, and he, he was doing well there and enjoying it. After eighth grade, he, he decided to just drop out and get a job and make what he could and, and keep playing golf. So he'd spend his teen years not in high school, but on the golf course caddying, teaching himself the game. Then on December 1st, 1956, his 17th birthday, he joined the Marines. And that's when he really took off. He started playing golf in the Marines. 
but still never realizing how talented he was. The lessons he learned from mastering that surface in Texas. But listen to the variety of crazy golf clubs he had. He didn't even have a, the right set. Number 14. I was dead broke. I actually was unemployed at the time. So I was just playing a lot of golf. And someone said, uh, you know, US Open's coming up, thinking about qualifying for it. Tried it. I had to go to Odessa and uh, qualified. He's like a fish out of water. I mean, the, the course is like nothing he's ever seen before. You have to understand that I learned to play with no rough, no bunkers. Oh God, I didn't, I don't think I had 14 clubs. I didn't have a sandwich because I never been in a bunker. <laughs> I had a McGregor 11 iron, that's what I had. And that baby was sharp enough to, to I mean, to cut a stake. <laughs> he sharpened it himself. But listen to this, it'll give you goosebumps. It's 1968, it's the US Open. Jack Nicholas is in the lead, but who comes up to beat Jack Nicholas? Lee Trevino. You listen to his background and how he taught himself the game. He mastered the surface so well that he could beat the greatest golfer of all time in his prime. Number 15. As Hennessy fell back to earth, Trevino grabbed the lead, and even with Nicholas charging, refused to falter. <laughs> He hit the flagstick. You could not say he's lacking in boldness. And what a shot. It's the late USGA official Joe Dye trailed Trevino on the course. And as he watched one remarkable shot after another, Dye was unable to contain his amazement. He said, what are you trying to do, win the Open? I said, whether you like it or not, I said, you're going to have a Mexican as a U.S. Open champion. <laughs> I remember it like yesterday. That's exactly what I told him. Good for Lee Trevino. Good for all of us. That's the key. That's why Brett Simpson is taking the USA surfing team to Texas. There's no ocean. He's taking them to Texas because there's an artificial wave pool that he can dial up and mimic those waves in Japan to master the surface of that ocean is different than Florida, different than Hawaii, different from the waves in California. You got to master the surface like Michael Jackson did it with a moonwalk, like Lee Trevino did it in golf, like Larry Dore did in orthopedic surgery. That's the key. Damn Coming up right. next, I'll take you into the operating room. The clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. And where can you get the best maple donut I've ever had? I'll tell you, coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN.